following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Happy New Year. It's not quite there yet, yet. That is what I've entitled my message today. I, I, I guess I don't really remember the last time I preached on New Year's Eve. It's, you'd think it was seven years ago, but I don't think I did that seven years ago. Somebody else probably did. Um, and it's just a great, unique opportunity at the, on the last day of a year and kind of stepping into a new year to be able to reflect and think about um, what the year's been like and I guess what we're looking forward to. And um, We've, we've kind of labeled this service a Thanksgiving service, and you'll, you'll kind of see why and, and how we're going to do that. We've asked you to come prepared to share something that you are thankful for to God for this in this year. Um, so, Happy New Year. And I, I, I guess it, it's picking up on all the well wishes that we normally greet one another with. If we write greeting cards, we express... Uh, that we, we wish them good health and prosperity and, and peace and, and safety and joy and happiness. We kind of express all those things in our greeting cards one to another. But what if, what if there was a way to actually not just make that a wish but a reality? What if there was a way that 2018 could actually be healthier and happier and more joyful, more content, more peaceful? What if there was a way, a strategy that actually reduces our stress, that improves our immune system, that makes us more resilient to depression, that enables us to feel greater senses of energy and, and vitality. What if there was something that is medically and, and scientifically proven to actually improve our health and our sense of happiness and well-being. What, what if there was actually something we can do to make 2018 the reality of all of our wishes, that it is healthier and, and happier? Well, I want to say to you this morning, there is. There is a way that each one of us can actually guarantee that 2018 is going to be healthier and happier. You know how? Gratitude. Gratitude. It's actually scientifically proven fact that having a, an attitude of thankfulness, of appreciation, of gratitude and gratefulness actually improves your health, actually leads to greater happiness. So what, what, what is this thing we're talking about? Well, the leading scientific expert, I didn't even know that there was a scientific expert on gratitude, but there is. His name is Dr. Robert Emerson. He defines gratitude as having these two aspects. And he says this, one is this idea of affirming the goodness in one's life, affirming the goodness in one's life. The second aspect is recognizing that the sources of this goodness, and this is powerful, lie at least partially outside of ourselves. It's beyond our control, that it's external to us. And these two things are really, really important. So what we're talking about is not just the, the bars and the good feeling we get when something good happens to us, because we normally think of happiness that way. As long as good things are happening to me, then I can be happy. Now, that's not what he's talking about. This idea is that it's about recognizing the good things that are already in my life, all around me, and somehow expressing them and acting in response to them. That's what we're talking about. And 
And as we wrap up the year and we wrap up our series, Come and Adore Jesus, um, I think it's a fitting way to focus on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving in both Testaments, Old Testament and New Testament, actually forms a central part in the community of God, in, in, in the people of God. It was this recognition that every good thing comes from God, that God is the source of everything good in our lives. And so as a result, we, we ought to respond with thanksgiving and, and appreciation and, and rejoicing. And the book of Psalms is full of thanksgiving Psalms where people recount God's faithfulness in the past and they respond with thankfulness. So throughout the Bible, we see that thanksgiving is an important aspect, a central aspect of the worship experience of the people of God. For instance, in Deuteronomy 8, if you read that whole chapter, Moses is reminding the children of Israel of this very fact, that when they go into the land and God blesses them and they experience joy and and many good things in their lives, that they are not to forget God and to forget that all of those things are from the benevolent hand of God. And to respond in obedience and in serving him and in thankfulness. Psalm 107 says this. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. With good things. Romans 11, uh, Paul makes this amazing declaration of recognizing as uh, God as the source and his response to glorify him. He says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. And so to him be glory forever. Amen. And that comes at the end of him reflecting and talking about God's wonderful grace in Jesus. And he resounds in this response of praise, acknowledging that God is the source of everything good in our lives. And then as we come to James chapter 1, verse 17, James says again, every good and perfect gift comes from our Father and ought to again result in thanksgiving and praise. So we see this idea being central in Old and New Testament that thanksgiving ought to form a central part in our worship experience and scientifically proven to actually improve our lives. So I think it's a, it's a good practice for us to embrace. And so this morning I want to look at these two brief texts where we're going to just look at some of the things that we can learn, three things that, that are, uh, I guess, benefits, if you like, of, of gratitude. And I want to use that word carefully because one writer says that gratitude is a, is a virtue in and of itself, regardless of the benefits it produces. And so we don't want to pursue gratitude because of the benefits. We actually want to be grateful people because that's right and good in itself. But gratitude does do things. And I want to look at three things that it does in us and for us. And then three real simple strategies that you can embrace to be more grateful in 2018. And so improve your health, your well-being, your happiness in 2018. So let's turn to the first passage. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, this is a letter that, a letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church and gave them many practical instructions and a lot of things about the end of the age and the coming of Jesus and a whole bunch of things. And then right towards the end, he talks about this idea of thankfulness in these very brief verses of chapter 5 and verse 16 and 17. He says this, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks. Notice what he says, in all circumstances. In all, not for all circumstances. And sometimes as Christians, we make the mistake of that. We think, how am I supposed to be thankful for this? My sickness, my pain, my broken relationship, my car accident, my lost job. How can I be thankful for that? No, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, be thankful in 
all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let me just boil down the essence of what Paul's saying here. Most of us, I'm hoping all of us as Christians, we want to do God's will. And so Paul's saying here, you, you want to do the will of God, then be thankful. Be thankful in all circumstances. That is the will of God. Second passage is found in the book of Philippians. And in, in, this is a very well-known passage. And uh, it's about, again, being content and being thankful. And in verse 4, we're going to pick up what Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, there's that idea. Always, always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, there it is again, in every situation, by prayer. No, again, it's not saying for every situation. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that we get to be here in the freedom we have in this great country and worship Jesus together. And Lord, as we journey through this message and through your word, I pray that you will speak prophetically and powerfully a word of truth into our heart that will change our lives and how we live them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so firstly, three quick things that gratitude does. Firstly, gratitude changes our perspective. It changes our perspective. Notice I've already alluded to this and highlighted this. In both passages, Paul says that we're to be thankful in every circumstance, in every, circumstance, in every situation. Now, this is not about putting on rose-colored glasses. We've heard that expression and seeing the world as being this sugar-coated, candy cane, you know, idyllic place. Not at all. This is not, gratitude is not about denying reality. Gratitude is not about pretending that the hard stuff doesn't happen in our lives. In fact, if you've been coming to PCC, you would know that we don't pretend here. We talk about the realities of the hard, difficult parts of our lives. Gratitude doesn't put rose-colored glasses on us so that we see everything in this perfect way. No, what gratitude does is actually, it does give you a new set of lenses, but it gives you a wide-angle lens. What it does is broaden your focus to see the everyday, ordinary miracles that God does in our lives all the time. See, what happens is as we live our lives, our focus becomes narrow. It becomes microscopic, and we focus, as a default, on all the hard stuff, on the painful stuff. To use another famous expression, we focus on the cloud, but they say every cloud has a silver lining. What gratitude does is broaden your perspective so you can actually see the silver lining. It trains your eyes to look for and recognize the ordinary works of God's miraculous grace in your life every day, every day all around you. I've mentioned, and if you weren't here on, on Christmas Eve, I mentioned in that message that this lead up to Christmas has been one of the most difficult and challenging lead up to Christmas that we've had as a family because my, my, both my parents were ill and in hospital in the same week. Um, you know, a couple of my other relatives, my two, auntie, two aunties and uncle were in a car accident and another one of my uncles passed away. It was just crazy. And Dash and I kind of made this determined decision that it's easy to focus on the clouds because it's the thing that captures our attention so quickly. But we decided that we were going to, to counteract the negativity, to broaden our perspective and start looking for the silver linings. And so we 
came up with this idea of every night going to bed and just thanking God for just the ordinary stuff that was good that had happened in our lives that day. Just for the good food we'd had, that our kids were home safely, that, you know, that our medical system is so great that they were looking after our parents, that, you know, the nurses at Westmead Hospital were doing a fantastic, like just listing all the good things that we were thankful for. That's what gratitude does. It changes your perspective. Thomas Merton, I think it was an American writer, he said this, one of the most important and most neglected elements in the beginning of the interior life is the ability to respond to reality, to see the value and the beauty in ordinary things, to come alive to the splendor that is all around us, to come alive to the splendor that's all around us. Gratitude does that. The second thing that gratitude does is it changes us. It changes us on the inside. Uh, again, a famous uh, Roman author and philosopher who lived in the first century BC, Cicero, he said this about gratitude. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all the others. He saw that gratitude was so profound that if we really embraced this virtue, if we made it a spiritual discipline, if you like, and we really governed our lives by this one attitude, it will affect the way we live. It will change us on the inside. Gratitude changes us in two ways. One of the things it does is it brings a sense of peace and contentment. As we begin to recognize and realize all of the good things that God has actually given us, it, it, it strikes at the very heart of envy, greed, discontentment, frustration. It strikes at the very heart of so many of the things that catch our hearts, particularly in our materialistic Western world. It strikes at the very heart of comparison because we begin to actually see the silver linings and all the good things in our lives. You know, and sometimes for, for many of us, it's not till we go to the developing world on a mission trip or something like that, that we get that epiphany and our eyes are opened as to how rich we really are. How blessed we really are. You know, the other day I had one of these moments because I've been thinking a lot about this. I opened my tap and I filled my cup and I drank and I thought, you know what? The majority of the world do not get to do that. And how often do we actually stop and think about that and go, God, I thank you that I can do this. Just an ordinary thing. And it changes, when you, it changes you when you realize, I am so blessed, so blessed. It strikes at the very heart of our sense of discontent. So much so that uh, another famous person, St. Ignatius, who was a Catholic theologian and thinker and was the founder of the Jesuits, he said this about ingratitude. He said, ingratitude is one of the things most worthy of detestation, for it is a failure to recognize the good things, the graces, and the gifts received. As such, it is the cause, beginning, and origin of all evils and sins. Ingratitude. Not recognizing the grace and the goodness of God in your life. You know the Bible says that every breath we have is a gift. And if God was to withdraw it, we'd all just... How often do we thank God for every breath? God, thank you that I'm still here. I might not have a lot. I might not have anything, but I'm still here. It changes us. 
at a very deep level. James chapter 4, again, speaks to this idea of ingratitude. And James says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Ingratitude. Gratitude changes us because it makes us more peaceful and content because we begin to recognize how blessed and rich we really are. The second way that gratitude changes us is that it actually humbles us. And from cover to cover in the Bible, humility is elevated and celebrated as one of the greatest virtues because it actually draws the attention of God. It brings God near to us. And in both of these passages that we read in Thessalonians and Philippians, Paul associates praying in the context of thanksgiving because Paul wants these readers and us to realize that all that we have has come, like Emerson says, from outside of us. Gratitude frees us from a sense of entitlement. Like, hey, I deserve that. I deserve that. That promotion, yeah, I deserve that. That new car, I deserve that. Yeah, you treating me with respect, well, I deserve that. Gratitude reminds us, it humbles us because we realize how much we have that we have received from the hand of God and from the grace and goodness of all those around us. It brings us to an awareness of how dependent we are, how out of control we are, how totally reliant we are on God's goodness and grace and and retrains us to see the good things in our lives as gifts that we don't deserve, not entitlements that we can rightfully grab a hold of. It changes us at the the deepest and, and the most profound DNA level because it brings us to our knees in acknowledgement. God, every good thing I have is from you. Everything that brings me joy and delight, everything that I'm thankful for comes from you. And so that's why I turn my heart to you in humility and I depend on you. And so I will pray continually, as Paul says in Thessalonians and in Philippians, because I recognize that everything I have comes from your hand, not from my own doing. And Paul reminds us this so profoundly in 1 Corinthians 4 when he says this, for what Who makes you different from anyone else compared to the the person in the developing world or whoever else you're comparing yourself to? What do you have that you did did not receive? What, What do you have that you did not receive? Think about that. Is there anything that you have that you did not receive from God or someone else? And if you did receive it, why do you boast? There's that arrogance. Why do you boast as though you did not receive it? gratitude as you begin to realize how much others have blessed you, how much God has given you, brings you to your knees in humility, saying, God, I I can't boast because I can see that all the good things in my life that I celebrate and love and rejoice in are from your hand and from the blessing of other people in my life. The third thing that gratitude does is it changes your focus. It changes your focus. I want you to notice something, that in both of these passages, in the context of gratitude and thankfulness, Paul talks about giving, being generous. 
in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says this, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And then he goes on to talk about rejoicing, always pray continually, and be thankful in all circumstances. In Philippians, he goes on to spend a whole section where he's thanking the Philippians for partnering him with, in the gospel and for meeting his needs and out of their uh, provision, sustaining Paul in his ministry and mission. See, grateful people are generous people. It changes your focus because gratitude turns your focus from being inward to actually being outward. Because all of a sudden you realize how much you have received from others. And when you get that and you understand that and you grab a hold of that, it actually forces you to now want to give to others because you recognize how much you've been given. It's like the movie Paid Forward. For those of you who've seen it, I think I've referred to it many times before. This idea that this boy comes up with, that if each person in the world would just do one extraordinary act of kindness for somebody else with no strings attached, and that person then paid it forward rather than paying it back, we could change the world. You could change the world. And, and that's the gospel. And that's this message of gratitude. When we understand how much we've been given, and rather than trying to pay it back in some quid pro quo, tit for tat kind of way, if we actually say, man, I am so blessed. I have been given so much. Others have invested into me and given to me and, 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 and served me and blessed me in so many ways. Now I, out of my gratitude to them, am going to now bless someone else. And that person does the same thing. Our world would be a different place if we could all turn our focus outward because we see how full and rich our lives are. Can you begin to see how profound gratitude is and the profound impact it can have, not just in your life, not just in your own happiness and your health and your well-being, but in our world because it changes our focus. So you're sold, right? Gratitude is the wonder drug. It's the silver bullet that's going to change our world. It's going to make all the difference. So how do we do this. I mean, there's lots of things. You, you can Google and there's plenty of great tips and strategies. I just want to give you three that are hopefully really helpful, simple, practical things that you can do in 2018 and hopefully beyond. Number one, savor the good things in your life. Savor. What do I mean by this? One of the biggest enemies of gratitude is busyness, is distraction. We're so preoccupied and consumed with the day-to-day -day mundane routine of lives that we miss the wonderful things that are happening in our lives all the time. One writer said this. He said, gratitude is like a net that catches good things in our lives and allows us to look at them and wonder at them. In Ecclesiastes 5, actually in several places in Ecclesiastes, the writer, you know, has depressing as the book of Ecclesiastes is, has this one message that he repeats over and over again, this idea of enjoying life, savoring it. And he says this, this is what I've observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. Savoring, sucking the marrow out of life, being intentional to stop and to pause and to celebrate that moment 
And that might be having a great cup of coffee. I wonder how many of you have just picked one up on your way to work or something, and it is an amazingly good cup of coffee, but you put it in the car or put it wherever, and you just keep going rather than just taking 10 seconds to go, man, this is a really good cup of coffee. <laughs> I've started doing that. I've just gone, you know what? This is, this is amazing. Or a good meal where you're just eating and you're so lost in conversation and you, 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 your brain is recognizing how tasty it is, but you don't stop to savor it and go, oh my goodness, this steak is so good. It's being cooked exactly how I like it. Not banana. <laughs> or when your, your child comes running up to you and gives you a cuddle and you just want to move on and carry on with the chores rather than going, this is such a joy to have this moment with my child. Or a good friend that sends you a message of encouragement and, and love. And, you know, you're just going to go, oh, great, awesome, great, thanks. And you just move on rather than going, God, I just thank you. I've got great friends in my life. I want to savor this moment. Just stop and celebrate it. Um, I think it's a, a French uh, writer. He said this. I can't even say his name. Maybe Grace can help me. I tried. So, Francois Della, I can do that bit, but the other bit, forget it. Happiness, listen to this, happiness does not consist in things themselves, but in the relish we have of them. In the relish we have of them. In savoring them. Profound. G.K. Chesterton, who's, again, a theologian, a thinker, and a writer, he said this, and I love this quote. The world will never starve for want of wonders, but only for want of wonder. Uh, you know, we, our family, we've made this kind of thing where rainbows, we always stop for rainbows. We stop and we look at them and we kind of notice, you know what I mean, I'm not talking about those kinds of rainbows, I'm talking about the ones in the sky. And we love just, especially when the arch is complete or when there's the double rainbow. They're just amazing things that we just miss. Look, really looking at flowers. I mean, I, I, I'm learning how to do this better. On my pastor's retreat that I went this year, one of the exercises the, the facilitator got us to do is to go out into this beautiful garden where we were staying. And he said, what I want you to do for the next hour, for the next hour, is to walk around that garden slowly. Stop. And really look at the flowers. Really look. Spend time examining them. Go to a leaf. Actually, he said, stand there and look around at this garden and notice all the different shades of green. We just think trees are green. But when you actually stop and you look, it's like 20 different shades of green. Again, bringing the wonder back into our life. Savoring the little things. And not just the big things, but the, the little things. The, like I said, the good cup of coffee. Technology that your phone can do incredible things. Have you ever stopped and just gone, this is amazing that I get to do this. You know, we were talking the other day about how so few people carry cameras anymore because our phones take photos. I mean, I don't, it's just, we're just so used to that. We just get so blasé about stuff. But that is incredible. We've lost the wonder. Savor those moments. The second principle, practical strategy, is remember the good. Remember the good. In Psalm 103, and you would know this, many of this famous psalm, in verse 2, the writer says, Praise the Lord of my soul and forget not. 
Forget not all his benefits. Find a way to remember. And one of the best strategies is they call keeping a gratitude journal. Many people talk about this idea. Whether it's a written one, and again, because you have phones, you can keep a photo journal of gratitude on your phone for the things that you're thankful for, that you see a great rainbow. Take a photo and go, on this day, this was an amazing gift of God to me. Keep a journal, some way of actually calling to mind and remembering. And you know what? Scientifically, it's proven that as we savor and as we recall and remember these things, it actually creates a positive spiral of increasing levels of gratitude and happiness. Because what it does is create neural pathways in our brain that tend to hook more onto the positive experiences in our life. So they don't fly past as much. Because the more we create those patterns, the more our brains begin to respond to the good things in our life. Remembering them. Remind yourself. And not just for the good things that happen in your life, but for the good things that happen in the lives of people you love. Like I mentioned, you know, we were just so thankful for the way the, the Westmead staff looked after my parents. It was so They were amazing. And we were so grateful and thankful. And, and celebrating that, the goodness that other people extend to the people you love and you know. And remembering those things, writing them down. And again, you know, people have tried to keep a journal every day and that can get tiring and exhausting and lead to what they call gratitude fatigue. So we don't want that. Twice a week, twice a week they suggest, it's achievable. Sit down and think about the things, the good things, the things that brought you joy and delight that day or that week and write them down. And be as specific and detailed as possible. Don't just go, I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my friends. No. Say, I am thankful that I have a friend like Janine, who I do have, who always knows, always knows when to send me a message to encourage me. I don't know how she knows, but she knows. I'm thankful for the many friends, like Susan is one of them, who in our, in our Christmas cards always writes amazing, encouraging words that bless our heart. Be specific, because the more specific you are, and the more detailed you are, the more you relive and savor that experience. Point three, express the good things in your life. Express them. Gratitude is only powerful when you begin to express it, when you turn the focus outward. Begin to show it. Begin to, you know, like Jesus in Matthew 10, I think it was, in the context of telling his disciples to go out and to, and to heal and to preach the gospel and do stuff. He says this profound thing. He says, freely you've received, now freely give. And as you begin to realize how rich you are, begin to now express that gratitude to others. So if your barista makes you a good cup of coffee, go back and tell them. Tell them. I did that once and it nearly floored her. I went back. I mean, I took my first sip as I was walking to the car and I went, this is a really good cup of coffee. And I went back and I said, thank you. Thank you for making a great cup of coffee. You get it right every time. Thank you. And she, uh, she just brightened up. Her day was, you know, like, people are so used to hearing complaints. Gratitude floors them. So express it. When, when somebody does a good job at their job, tell them. Again, we had this great experience. We went, we were going shopping at Harvey Norman for a bed. And I don't like dealing with salespeople because they're always trying to, you know, kind of push you and sell, you know, kind of force you into making a decision you really don't want to do. But this guy was amazing. Like, he was really helpful. He gave us all the information we needed. 
no pressure. He was like, you know, like, I'll just leave it with you. He kind of stepped away, let us talk about it, and came back and go, anything else I can help you with? And then when we said, no, we're kind of not going to do it, he's like, no problem. If I can be of help in the future, come back and see me. Here's my name. Here's my card. I was like, this is amazing. And so we, you know, we felt really bad walking away without actually buying something. And we said to him, look, thank you for the time that you've given us. And, you know, really appreciate, you know, you being so kind and so helpful. Tell people when they do a good, express your gratitude because that's a gift. He doesn't have to be that nice. He can just do his job and treat you like every other customer. But when he treats you with value and dignity and respect, tell him he did that and that you appreciated being treated that way. Celebrate the good things. And when God blesses you with stuff, Share it financially with, with talents, with abilities. When you begin to recount how rich your life is, begin to express that to God and say, God, thank you. And I want to express it with thankfulness and worship. And, and I want to give you passionate, exuberant worship and praise because I'm so thankful for what you've given me. And begin to give of yourself to others. Express the gratitude that you're feeling. Three Real simple, practical things that I hope you can carry with you and take with you into 2018. So now we're going to do what we asked you to come prepared to do. And that is for us, just wherever we are, just stand up and just in five, ten seconds, express something that you are thankful for to God in 2017. Something that you, know, you recognize has been a gift that God has given you. Something maybe really simple or something profound doesn't matter just that in your heart you are so grateful to God for I've already mentioned several things in my sermon of the things that I'm thankful for for this year and I open the floor now for us to take this opportunity as a church community to express thankfulness to God to give him praise to give him honor to give him acknowledgement for the good things that he's given into our lives who would like to go first Here went really really well and we got everything given just we just had to get get on the plane and come here excellent well on top of that uh, I'd like to thank God for bringing us to Australia we came to Sydney uh, January this year one we found a PCC two uh, I got a job three had a baby four <laughs> Five, six, seven, whatever. Yeah, we just, there, there's too many things. Ten seconds isn't enough, but thank God for that. I thank God. I've got great gratitude. Uh, during this year, I had a heart attack, and soon after, I had a second heart attack. And uh, I contacted this church mainly and all my friends I knew to pray for me. And here I am. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I'm still here. Thankful for that. Anyone else? Uh, for me, um, uh, I just want to thank God for the group of people in my Connect group for recognizing the gifts and the resources God have given them. I'm blessing the less privileged in the world this year. I'm just so emotional about what they did, you know, dipping their hands in the pocket and blessing people that they don't even know greatly. I thank God for that, and I thank God for being associated with those people. 
Thanks. Someone else? Okay, hands going up everywhere. Okay, my, mine's a more general one. I've said it before, but I, I want to thank God for the people he decorates in our life. And because the one thing we've got to remember is the people that stay with us have got free will. And to put it in perspective, um, David Wilkerson is a pastor. He, um, he's one person never had flies on him. When his kids got Christmas presents, they were all excited. They'd be showing each other. He said, it's all going to burn one day, right? But the things that are eternal are the lives of man and God. And I'm, I'm grateful for the people he's put in our lives. I'm very grateful for this year because my granddaughter's been restored to good health after her bone marrow transplant. So I just thank God for all the prayers and for his goodness. First of all, I want to thank God for really uh, sparing my mom from a sure death, clearing her from the cancer, even though she's going uh, some radiation um, procedure. But obviously, it's a sign that um, God give her one more uh, more days in her lives. And secondly, my wife has a, <clears throat> a successful operation um, this mid-year, and. <clears throat> um, Personally, I had a good health despite some um, um, areas in my body that um, wearing wearing out. But I'm still thankful to God I can do what I, I wanted to, to do, and um, I love my family, and they're all doing well. Yeah. I will thank to the Lord because last year I couldn't come to the church. I was lying to the bed because of my legs. Still not completely healed, but I'll praise the Lord because the trust is going to see me. I will thank the Lord for all my life. Yeah. Just for that. Um, I also like to thank God for my life and um, thank God for the Bible ways, the quotations that we've been having in the church here. We have one before that comes that work with Christ. And this particular uh, series helped me to be able to uh, go through, I mean, come over the stress and the painful that I've been going through at work. And this really helped me to stand firm and pray to God that I'm not doing this for my worldly um, leaders or bosses, but I'm working for God. And this helped me work through that. And I'm, I'm happy today with what I am. Jesus of the Nazareth, that he have healed me and delivered me and cleansed me for new life. Praise God. Anyone else? We've got about five more minutes. Oh, my dad. <laughs> Unusual. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to thank God for what he's done. Went through a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a patch. I don't consider it. I, I take it philosophically. I believe that our Time on earth is three, four years, ten plus ten. So, guarantee period is over. So, I've gone for overall and I've got next 
as we usually did, fairly nice presents, and we didn't have that much money. On Thursday this week, the Lord gave us, via my son, $200. And every step of the way, I could write a book about it, mm -hmm. that the Lord has been with us. And I praise him also for the staff. I thank you for Pastor Hillary and all the lovely people that have found us, prayed for us, stood by us. And I'm a great, I go forward into 2018 with a grateful, grateful heart. Yeah, great. Thank you. What we're going to do now is the band can come up. We're going to spend time having communion. And I just felt um, that was the most fitting and appropriate way for us to finish because maybe after hearing those testimonies, maybe you're sitting there going, well, I'm still not healed or I still don't have the financial resources I need for my circumstance or whatever it might be. You might be sitting there going, well, that's not my story and I don't have that testimony. And it's so easy again to compare and to focus on what we don't have. And I want us to take a moment even if we have nothing to remember, we have everything in Christ. And that's why I want to finish with communion. In Romans 8, Paul uses that argument and saying, if the Father has given us His Son, His dearly beloved Son, then how will He not also give us all other things? But even if we don't have all the other things, we have the best thing. We have the greatest gift. We have forgiveness. We have reconciliation. We've been brought into the family of God. We have eternal security. We have a hope that extends beyond the here and now. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have the riches of our Father's house at our disposal. We have the freedom of not having a guilty conscience. We have the incredible joy that comes from knowing that the Holy Spirit is not just with us, but in us. And I could go on and on and on about what the gospel has done for each and every one of us. Jesus, what? 